Welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio. Today on episode 19, David and I delve into the topic of Easter. We sort of reset um, Holy Saturday, the Saturday vigil, and then dive into Easter and uh, even the aftermath with the liturgical calendar, the season of Easter, if you will. But before we get into that, thank you, Diego, at Recording Moving Studios. Uh, Jacob Nedia, thank you, sir, at monkdrums.com. That's uh, the drums you hear in the background. If you're interested in hearing, or excuse me, reading more of David's uh, thoughts and poems and things of that nature, theruined.com is where you'll find that for the previous episodes of Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, find us at drcrpod.com. Uh, if you like what you hear, please tell a friend, share this, uh, share this with them. And we appreciate you. And let's get into it. Hello. And welcome back to Desert Rain Community Radio, David Morrison. Salutations. Salutations, my friend. Happy uh, Happy Saturday. Yeah, sleepy Saturday. Sleepy Saturday. Um, today we're we're coming back together. Um, so we're in Holy Week right now. Coming up on uh, we're a few days away. When when this is released, we'll be three or four days away from uh, Good Friday. And last week, on last week's episode, we we covered Holy Week, and and today we want to sort of deep dive into um, Holy Saturday, Easter Sunday, and then sort of the the quote unquote aftermath of of the the resurrection and everything. And so maybe that maybe you could uh, kick us off by just uh, kind of explaining again. We we talked about Holy Saturday a lot a little bit last time, but we kind of wanted to to visit the vigil yeah. aspect of it in a little deeper way. So maybe you could sure. could start us there with the the importance of that Holy Saturday. Yeah, so in the, I guess in the context, it would be the tritium. So you have uh, that Holy Thursday where you where we commemorate uh, communion and foot washing and the discourses of Jesus on his Last Supper. Mm. Then uh, you go into Good Friday, which is the crucifixion and suffering. It's burial. Uh, and is that the day of silence? Uh, Saturday would be Saturday, that. Okay. Yeah. So Sunday would be the third of the, the greatest mm-hmm. day. So yeah, so in between that, there's this Holy Saturday, which is the silent the silent day. In traditional churches, there's no liturgy that day. It's the only day of the entire year. There's no liturgy that day until the evening. Okay. And... And it's that mysterious middle place, that liminal space. It's uh, where Jesus is resting in the mother, the womb of the earth, right. uh, as a seed that has fallen and is ready to break open in spring uh, on that Sunday morning. And so, and so in, in, in a certain sense, it's kind of the forgotten day. In a lot of ways, yeah. Because a lot of people will focus on Good Friday yeah. You know, and then boom, Sunday's Easter. Yeah, that Saturday's become my favorite. Okay. Over the years, just because I like it. Uh, I like that liminal space. I like that 
uncertainty, the waiting. The silence. Yeah, that speaks more to my life now than, yeah. than uh, the triumphalism of Sunday Easter and... Uh, the winning of the, Jesus, so to speak. Right, and the tragedy, <laughs> the total tragedy of, of Good Friday, and, but that middle space where it's just uncertain. So that speaks to more of what reality is to me or, or my experience of reality. Is more well, I, I, and I think the reality of, of most people when they're really honest with themselves. Yeah, that probably. idea of unso- I, I had a conversation with someone yesterday, and I can't remember exactly what the topic was, but kind of get you know the the point of the conversation was uh, we don't know what's going to happen five minutes. We don't really know what's right, going to happen yeah. five minutes from now, let alone a year from now. Yeah. So how do we stay in today, like in this moment? Yeah, we pretend it. Yeah. <laughs> I asked a therapist, why does it seem like all the other people around me and in the world are flourishing? It's everyone, every family's flourishing except mine. Uh, and she said, because well, they're lying. That's why. <laughs> I said, oh, okay. <laughs> they can, they, uh. They have a better PR team. <laughs> yeah. yeah. They know how to keep images up better than – they have better resources than you do to keep up the images of doing well. So oh, that's that's a really interesting yeah. response. It gave me some peace. Yeah, yeah. How long ago was that? Uh, our daughter must have been 16. So okay. a 16-year-old daughter, that should tell you everything right, right there. Right, right. Um, I'm a teenager. So, yeah, so then so – then, uh, Holy Saturday becomes Easter Vigil in, in the evening. Okay. And it's it's a very, for me, it's become probably a, my f- personal favorite mm. liturgical day of the year. It's the most meaningful to me. Uh, the Eastern Orthodox, it, it seems to be that way for them in yeah. their churches. It's a big deal. Yeah, I went to one of their Easter Vigils. It's very um, powerful. Three or four years ago. It's much different than anything I had experienced yeah. in, in a... I mean, it's an all-night affair. Right. You know, they go, Literally waiting. I think 5.30, 5, 5.30 until midnight. Yeah. And then even at midnight, it's not like they go home. They they eat. and Right. It's a know, big they, Yeah, it's party. a big deal. And, and uh, I mean, growing up, I mean, it was in Las Cruces, and the demographic of people in Cruces is not young in general. But of the Orthodox Church, these were like 70 yeah. and 80-year-olds, and they were up at midnight like, yeah. celebrating oh, yeah. Yeah. and like having, having this really uh, – a beautiful, uh, cer- I mean, it's not a ceremony, but it is. Yeah, it's got rich. The ritual are uh, so ingrained in the celebration that you don't even. It's really great, and in the Roman Church, Roman Catholic Church, they baptize every adult oh. all in one night for the whole year. So it's a long, long affair too, you know, and of, of baptizing the the new converts. So how how is that? How is that sort of? I, I, you know, you said it's it's become the Easter vigils become your favorite. Sort of, what, what was your path for you to that? And you know why? What, what, what you know for yeah. your prayer life? What's the spiritual yeah, significance of that? Because in childhood it wasn't that way. Um, so it was it was probably when we came out here. Okay. And particularly when we built a labyrinth. Mm. So, so Easter vigil traditionally particularly in the Irish tradition, St. Patrick, uh, the tradition is that he landed, came back to Ireland after being a slave. Okay. Went, went back to Romania or, or Britannia, rather, uh, Britain, mm-hmm. and uh, became a priest 
and then had an angelic visitation with scrolls. This angel gave him some scrolls, and the scrolls said something like, Voice of the Irish. And so he was oh, commanded no. to go back to the people who had enslaved him and, and, be, and preach Christ there. So the legend is he went back on Easter Vigil night. They landed on the shore, and they needed a— uh, they wanted to celebrate Easter, which was with a bonfire. So the ancient church mm. would light a bonfire. Okay. Um, and, you know, and that word is bonfire comes from bone fire, uh, funeral pyre. Mm. Uh, and so, the uh, you know, and this is probably, this is all tradition. Right. You know, yeah. but, right. but the Druids had already had, uh, I think it was a, it was a celebration of darkness and, and it would end with them lighting that bonfire. So he prematurely lit their bonfire that happened oh. to be conveniently be there. <laughs> right. So he had this big showdown like Elijah and the prophets of Baal. And, uh, you know, anyway. <laughs> Makes for good stories. Yeah, it's, a, it's an Irish story. But, uh, but this idea of a natural bonfire on Easter vigil was very captivating to me. Mm-hmm. And we had a piece of, you know, we live on a piece of desert land that's applicable for that. So our first Easter here... We did exactly that, and uh, so it was very. And then when we built the labyrinth, it became very, you know, labyrinths. We'll do an episode on that, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. we talked about it shortly in the Celtic yeah. Christianity. I think so the, episode two. So labyrinth can be used as a pilgrimage to a sacred site. In instead of spending the money to go to right. Jerusalem, you can walk this labyrinth. So we kind of fell into. Uh, I believe it's Psalm 27, you will show me the pathways to life and in your presence is the fullness of joy. And then Mm. Peter on the day of Pentecost preaches the same thing. You will show us the pathways to life. And so there's this pathway from Jesus being in the grave to resurrecting, to rising. And he, and he made that journey for the human race as the human race, uh, and so we would. So we have the last since we've had that labyrinth. That's our our personal right. community story. We walk the labyrinth, as in Jesus walking the the pathway. Uh, Christ has walked this path before us, uh, and it's the path we're going to take. We're all going to mm-hmm. die, and uh, and He will shepherd us into uh, a resurrection at some point. Well, it, it's 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 pretty amazing too. This just kind of popped in my mind as you were describing that. But Jesus was the only one that made his from the time he was crucified to the time he, um, you know, we as the, as humanity noticed his resurrection. Yeah, he was by himself on that path. Yeah, you know, and it, and so it, it leaves that that mystery in the sense of the hundred percent divine. walk of Jesus uh, was his walk, but we get to use that as a a lighthouse or a bonfire to sort of um, inform our path. Exactly. So it'd be a very powerful thing if you could enter into it intentionally and through faith. Right. So then when we reach the center of the labyrinth, we, you know, that's the tomb. Mm -hmm. And then we light the bonfire and then we... uh, we follow the same tradition. We'll take the Easter candle, which is usually a very large white candle, and you take from the bonfire uh, and light that candle. Mm. There's a set of prayers in the Roman rite, and then you carve on the candle uh, 
Alpha and Omega, mm-hmm. Jesus Christ today, yesterday, and forever. Um, and then we, yeah, and then we have our our communion for Easter Vigil in the middle, in the middle of the labyrinth, under the stars. Hopefully, usually in spring when it's not the wind's not blowing not too, not a thousand blowing miles much. an hour. <laughs> uh, and so it's yeah, so it's it's very it's become my personal favorite and and uh, very beautiful. It's a very beautiful walk of faith and reminder of that, and to prepare for the celebration of Easter or Pasch, P A S C H is is the. Uh, technical term for it <laughs> the appropriate Sorry, I mean to slow the podcast down that much <laughs> well and i think um you know because you we've talked about it before but we'll, we'll get into it a little bit more in depth but that importance of the uh easter sunrise so when you yeah when you couple that with what you just explained with the darkness of the yeah with the bonfire you know the like you mentioned, we're out in the middle of the desert, so when the sun does go down, the stars just illuminate the night yeah. because there's no um, there's no light pollution, and so to be able to look up and see, you know, not not to get too too ooey gooey in it, but you know, the divine painting of the stars overhead yeah, and the, within the darkness, you have the bon- the light of the bonfire, the candle, yeah, that goes out. And then, you know, however many more hours later, you're confronted with a with a beautiful sunrise. Yeah. And the, and the ancient church teaching, and if you look at any icons of the resurrection, look those up, you know, you'll see the, the teaching is on the icon, mm. which is that, well, where did, where did Christ go uh, outside, you know, when he was in the grave? Mm. And, and the, the teaching is, is that, that he entered into the realm of the dead and looked for Adam and Eve uh, who represent the entire human race. Right. And then if you, if you look at the icons, he's, he's pulling them up uh, and, and their chains are all breaking. The, the death is, is, has been defeated at this point. And, and, and the suggestion is that the last Adam and the first Adam are, there's one Adam. Mm-hmm. It's all Christ, you know, and that's when you read Paul's epistles, he uses that phrase, all things in Christ, all things mm-hmm. come together. All uh, Christ is all in all. Uses that that phrase quite a bit in his uh, throughout his letters that he wrote, and so so that's so that's what we're you know. So it's your redemption and my redemption. It's it's the uh, right. hope and, beyond and the grave to come in humanity. Yeah, that, that aren't even born yet. Exactly, and everybody that has already passed. Yeah, it's beyond yeah. the space-time continuum. It's all a, a singularity in time, and so everything becomes compressed on the on the cross and the resurrection. So, so with that um, that idea of of uh, you know Christ overcoming death, you know what? What I know there's some um, simplistic outlooks on it, but maybe you could. You, you could go into it a, a little bit of like um, if someone, you know, if, if the average Joe were to come up to you and be like, well, we still die. My death is still right. inevitable. So yeah. so what was really overcome there? Yeah, it's, it's, it's a connection. Well, first, there's a claim in Christianity that there's an inward uh, resurrection, the, uh, a risenness to your soul. Mm. Your soul becomes alive with eternal life here and now. 
Okay. Not just waiting for this life to be over in, in, in some far and, and get into heaven. some disembodied heaven. Right. Uh, no, that's not what we're. That, that, that's not what the original uh, or early theologies, if you will, teach. Okay. That's a later modern escapism that that's come in, to and help, I'm sure help. it's and I'm sure it's been throughout too to help uh, control the. The people, yeah, the sin pews. management, <laughs> keep people scared and yeah. uh, control the masses with the opium of religion, yeah. you know, kind of thing. And no, that's not what what I'm talking about. Is uh, there's an interior resurrection that occurs now, and it's a foretaste uh, of the future. And there's a belief in a future eschatological event in which the entire human race, if not mm. the entire everything that has ever died, that's uh, will will come back to life. Will be uh, in a new a new state, which right. is we'll get to in with what Easter Sunday right, is all right, about. Right. Yeah. So, so that's so that's what we're looking for. You know, when we see the Easter sun, uh, the Easter sunrise. Mm-hmm. It's it's a yes, it's a specific sunrise in time, and it's the only one that will ever come up at that moment. Right. But at the same time, metaphorically, uh, spiritually. It's the uh, the new creation breaking in now. Well, and and the beautiful part about that is, um, at least for me, I, I, I don't want to speak too broadly, but when I see a beautiful sunrise or a beautiful sunset, it reminds me of all the previous beautiful sunrises mm-hmm. or sunsets in that life. I've seen in, seen in my life, you know, and and so within this context that the uh the spiritual sunrise yeah are those times that you know the the easter sunrise is, is for me sort of a a placeholder or maybe a, a gentle reminder of all those rebirths spiritual rebirths right. i've experienced over the last year or whatever 10 years what you know whatever however yeah. time frame and and uh, it's an important symbol i think yeah, because any spiritual awakening is not in the past, right? Nor is it really in the future. It's a present moment reality, and so it's always in the present moment. That's hard to explain. <laughs> well, and and you know, it it it's one of those beautiful things too, because it is in the past in the sense that you can point to. Yeah, this happened when I was at this place. Yeah. I experienced this thing, and it it gave me a new uh, new way to look at life. You know, I, I was I was reborn yeah. in the way I approach life. But as soon as that happens, it's then attached to you. Right. As you each moment you move forward. So you don't need to, you know, try to recreate the the circumstances of that past, that June eighteenth, nineteen ninety sunrise <laughs> that you saw. You know, because I've seen people try to do that. They'll try to recreate the the feelings and the scene to try to experience it again. And no, the experience is yours. It's eternal. It's emo- it's uh, it can't it's go now. It can be. It's accessing you at this yeah. moment. And there are times where you can access it. Well, and uh, it's funny you said that because when I was on the Camino, there was people on the Camino that had walked it twenty plus times. Yeah. And when you when you start, if you if you had a chance to talk to them, um, in some in, in a few cases, it was like they were just bored, and that was kind of their annual that's their, thing. Their, they that's did. their vacation. Yeah, that they that, and so I'm not talking about those people. It's a little bit, but there was a, a handful of people where 
I would say a pretty good percentage actually that the experience they had either the first time or second time was so deep right that they were coming back to the same yeah. place and trying to to re -ex uh, recreate like you're right, saying yeah re-experience and it's like and I'm sure they had you know all the walks they had different good experiences but it's like looking at me and I don't, I can't remember if I if I mentioned it to anyone or if I just listened but it's like you already had you the experience is yours. Yeah. You can be here, you can be back in your home in Iowa, you know, you can be in vacation in Mexico, yeah. where, you know, whatever you're doing, that experience that you had on the Camino is already in your DNA. Right. But they may not know it yet, so they might take well, 30 yeah. times, 40 yeah, times. Yeah, that's a good point. <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, it's it's the same with it's the equivalent of what when they ask Jesus, where is this kingdom? Pharisees came up, you know, where is it that we can, and, and, and Jesus said, no, it's not a thing that you can point to and say, there it is, or there it was, <laughs> but it's within you, it's present, always, or as the, the, the Tao says, uh, not to get all mystical on you here, <laughs> but the Tao would say, without going out of your, your door, you can know the ways of the earth, you can know the ways of the world, and so you can arrive without traveling. And so, you know, I'll just, I'll just leave that one there. <laughs> well, and I think the tricky part with that, too, is once you start empowering people to go within to find the kingdom yeah. of heaven, two two things have happened for me. One, uh, it's a moving target. So it's yeah. it doesn't stop. Exactly. Like my search for that within me doesn't stop. And two, you've, you've decentralized... Uh, you can't it's hard to have a centralized religion if you're telling people that the kingdom of God is within, the kingdom of right. heaven is within. And so that doesn't do well for the the organizations that are searching for power. Yeah. <laughs> as far as power, yeah. Getting together and, and providing a structure for community. Right. Yes. Yeah, that's very valuable. Because yes. then I can witness to you. Mm -hmm. I can be another voice and an ear to you to say, yeah, what you've just witnessed is I've witnessed it, mm -hmm. and uh, and this, and we can compare notes and not feel, you know, keep each other safe and keep each other uh, uh, challenged mm -hmm. at the same time. So, right, and, and that's you know that yeah, the, I guess the community part of of that is the gold, so to speak, the spiritual gold of coming together. Yeah. The point I was part, pointing towards is is that hierarchical yeah, institutional institution yeah. that come becomes dogma, you know, becomes yeah. what you know, once you get into that spot, you know, and, and you're peddling a certain religion or a certain yeah, idea. That's true. It's it's hard to to peddle that, to have that idea of of church or community and yeah. Uh, let people know that the the kingdom of of heaven is is in you know is internal. Yeah, it's it's very frustrating for probably millions of people who have had a very distinct and profound personal spiritual experiences, and they are not not only are they not affirmed by their institutional leaders, they're they're not even acknowledged or they're even spoken against. And, sort of and, sort of pariahed. Yeah, that's a very discouraging place to be. And, yeah, that would be that would be uh, scary. I mean, John of the Cross was tortured by his own 
brotherhood, his own, uh, uh, you know, his monks, right. the monks, that, yeah, his they, brothers. they literally <laughs> tortured him, put him in prison. And so I can't imagine. Yeah. So uh, going back to this, this spiritual sunrise, this Sunday morning, yeah. Yeah, morning Easter. sunrise and, and uh, embracing this idea of Easter, of, of uh, overcoming death. You know, or, or maybe even better, you know, proving life uh, will find a way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, so, so what does that what does that look like, uh, sort of from your own personal prayer life and and um, ideas around theology, and then uh, two, if you could kind of sort of the institutional church. You know, what what? Yeah. How is that celebrated, sort of in in the common yeah, American church. Well, growing up uh, Roman Catholic, it was uh, you know it was just a you know it was a, it was a mass with more hallelujahs in it, and right. we dressed up a little bit extra. Mm-hmm. We went to to um, usually that weekend. My parents would take us to uh, Payless shoes. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> and we Payless. would get some new shoes and that kind of. Th- so that was a tradition, and and. Uh, oh. You know, and grandma stays with you and that kind of thing. And uh, and then you go visit relatives. So that was all, that was very, I'm very fond of those memories. And uh-huh. uh, the Wizard of Oz being on TV in the 70s <laughs> before you could uh, record anything yeah. on TV. Uh, I don't know why the Wizard of Oz, I don't know why the yeah, it's very, NBC it's or whoever yeah. it was chose that. But that's in the 70s, that was the go-to thing. Um and then when I went into the more charismatic church, it was the music was more uplifting, and mm-hmm. uh, and then as I got a little bit more jaded, I, I did couldn't relate to in the, in the charismatic evangelical world. Easter was the day where everyone was the guests were going to be the church was going to be doubled in size oh, that right, day. So right, let's right. put on our best, absolutely, let's best get our show. best furniture out and put on our best show and. Oh. Polish it, up everything. <laughs> would it really double? Uh, probably, yeah, oh, wow. yeah. It was, it was big. Yeah, it was big business. I mean, I knew it was bigger attendance, but I wouldn't have guessed. Maybe not. I don't know about double, but I mean, the church we had on the east side, definitely. Yeah, okay. it was a big. Interesting. You had to pull out more chairs right. and the whole thing, and better. Yeah, better more come up with a better time. sermon to sell this church to them <laughs> so them that they'll know. come back. Uh, which was funny because the priest would get angry. All you people, you yeah. only show up here. On, you only show up here at Christmas and Easter and Ash Wednesday. And Ash Wednesday is not even a holy day of obligation. And you show up here, and I have to work harder. One, one, oh my God! <laughs> a little side note, but I went to a, a midnight mass. I, I hadn't gone to church in years and years and years. And I was kind of it was going through this process of re, revisiting Christianity. And I went to midnight mass, and literally that the homily was exactly what you just <laughs> shaming said. them for coming. <laughs> so yeah, so on one end of the spectrum in this region, anyway, you have half the churches shaming uh, people for showing up because yeah. you've inconvenienced us, and then you have the other half churches uh, begging them to They're stay. Like, Come, on, Come on, we've got a great program for you. Check it out. We made a special video. We even. won't. We won't talk trash to you for <laughs> yeah. showing up on Easter. We're gonna put our best show forward, and, <laughs> and so so that it just became empty to me mm-hmm. later. Uh, 
particularly when they they it's, it's began to and this is just me personally. It right, just sounded right. desperate to me when they five times in one Easter service, you know, he is risen. Someone will yell that out, right. and everyone, he is risen indeed. And it, and it just to me it became empty and 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 as I began to take a more contemplative uh, route on these things, uh, I realized that the empty tomb is what you get. You know, and I, I heard one, uh, I forget his name, but it was a... Because that's what they first saw, right? Yeah. They went back to the tomb and it was just the empty rock tomb, was moving yeah. and it was empty. And depending on which gospel, I guess. Uh, but yeah, he wasn't there. That's yeah. the whole point of all four of them. He, he ain't here. He wasn't standing <laughs> on the rock doing a, a victory gone. dance. Yeah. <laughs> and so the event itself, as recorded in the the four gospels, it's a, it's a low-key event. Yeah. And it's, uh, yeah, I heard one author say, uh, you know, we're given an empty tomb and for centuries we've been trying to fill that empty tomb uh, with dogmas uh, and teachings and books and devotionals and ideas uh, and explanations and answers. And, but uh, God invites us to the empty tomb, to the emptiness of it and, uh, and the mysteriousness of this uh, walking, risen Christ. Yeah, like what happened? I mean, they do go out of their way in the Gospels to show that he was in, a, in the same body. Right. The, the, yeah, a human body, physical human body, yeah. but yet not exactly either. He's walking through walls. He's uh, appearing Tom, and reappearing. Thomas doesn't recognize yeah, him Yeah, the, Yeah, the women that were were close to him, they didn't recognize him. He looked different. So there's there's... Strange things afoot at the Circle K, as Bill and Ted would say, <laughs> and so so it's it's the ultimate mystery, yeah. And so as a contemplative, it becomes the grounds for well the entirety of your faith and to ponder and to enter into the silence and the emptiness of it and the mysterious uh, roamings of this uh, of this Jesus of Nazareth who's now alive, uh, coming and going. Uh, it becomes very beautiful to me. But it can be drowned out by all the. Uh, it's almost. It's almost even on social media. Maybe that's when I became more jaded, oh. because Christians, in my opinion, and my opinion is not worth. You know, it's worth whatever. Well, it's it just is. your observation. Yeah, you're, it just you're talking feels about your like to me. Yeah. Uh, it's Christian Pride Day, oh, and we're okay. going to tell the world. You know, he's risen yeah. in your face. Uh, it's like that uh, funny meme I show you sometimes, where Jesus is like has the basketball. And he's like making Satan trip. You've yeah. seen that one, right? <laughs> yeah. It's like that's that's the today's equivalent of Easter. Yeah. For some people. And the most offensive one to me personally is there was used to, uh, years ago there was a meme going around of there's Jesus sitting down like in a locker room and uh Spider Man and the Hulk and uh <laughs> Uh, Superman. I can see where this These is comic going. book characters are sitting next to him and he's telling them how he rose again. And 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 it's, so you've turned him into a, a comic book a DC, hero, yeah. and so that so that tells me there's not an inward reality that has happened to a lot to enough people, and uh, and maybe you do more damage by talking. Uh, well, and I think it's a tough thing. I, I tend to agree with you that the mystery, the uncertainty, the unknowing yeah. of 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 this is the beautiful part. But at least as Americans, I, I don't want to speak globally, but from what I've observed as as a, a good old fashioned American, yeah, is that we spend so much time trying to get rid of the mystery, 
yeah. make the plans, uh, you know, kind of like with the, the story you told earlier with the therapist, make it look like we're all yeah. flourishing. Everything's Spiff up all that good. Image. That we spend so much time trying to do that. Yeah. You know, I know I, I've done that a lot in the past and I still do it. To, it's hard to do that. And then try to step into this uh, religious, spiritual, um, contemplative lifestyle yeah. of like, well, actually what's important or actually the way things are is this mystery, Yeah, is the empty tomb, is the unknowing. Um, and so I, I just uh, I don't I don't know how we. Well, and, and maybe that you know maybe that's what we're doing here. We're we're trying to find a way to walk. Yeah, that seems authentic to us, and and so yeah. So I don't know, and I'm not a I'm not a snob with pop culture. I'm more right. Oh, you you with pop culture it. than yeah. I am with high culture. Right. Uh, you know, I would definitely rather listen to Sam Cooke than Beethoven. Uh, I don't mind Beethoven. Yeah, uh, Beethoven has nice background place. music. Yeah. But Sam Cooke moves my soul, though. <laughs> so, you know. Gets you uh, excited about life. And I know that there are kids, there's a generation of kids that, well, when they were kids, they're adults now. Um, but when they were like, say, seven, eight, nine years old, uh, that first Iron Man movie came out. Oh, right. And those movies uh, have shaped their narrative of how they see the world. And, and I just believe when we, I guess when we talk about Pentecost, <laughs> I believe the Holy Spirit is involved with that. I believe the Spirit is involved with all cultures. Okay, of, I see what you're of, saying. Yeah. It's, 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 it's embedded in what, what we in the human story. call pop culture. Yeah. But just the human story in general. Exactly. Yeah. And, and so, you know, just because I prefer a drum doesn't mean, you know, high culture isn't, you know. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I would think high culture looks down and, more on pop culture than and pop culture just does what it does and just ignores the snobs i guess i don't know but anyway I'm yeah yeah it's it's <laughs> it's well it's just an interesting dance right of like yeah how these you know you can take any any corner of the culture within the world yeah and how they see other culture or view it um, or judge it or whatever yeah. else yeah um, it just as far as the like the deeper mysteries or the basic mysteries of Christianity, uh, particularly the incarnation, that God becomes vulnerable. That's the real miracle. Not right. that God is Almighty, but that God becomes vulnerable on the cross, and uh, is, so He's not a superhero. <laughs> yeah, because He goes through the process, the the shaming, yeah, carrying the cross, then not being able exactly. to carry the cross, and. Someone else having to carry his yeah. burden, uh, you know, actually being nailed to the cross and and uh, ridiculed, and exactly trash talked, and all those all those things. He's uh, he's born a peasant. He's born in the ghetto. He lived and died in the ghetto, uh, and then he said, uh, "Whatever you do to the least of these, there you've done it literally unto me." Right. So he's still ghetto in his risen state. In that sense, and so that's that's where I'm coming from as far as so you know the social media on Easter it becomes Christian Pride Day and uh, which that's a bad thing in that sense you know well and it, you know whatever it, it serves because then it becomes nationalistic and yeah it, ser- it serves a, a certain demographic of people that want to raise their 
Christianity flag, so to speak, yeah. and, uh, which which is fine. But, you know, I, I think you and I have had this conversation on air, I think. But for me, that that's when I read the Gospels and then I look around at the, the people in my life uh, embracing Christianity on whatever level, it's, it's interesting, you know, when you're doing Christian Pride Day, uh, it's easy to question like, well, how much time have you spent reading the Gospels? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Because <laughs> you, you, you pretty much come out, at least I did come out, you, uh, it tells you you're going to be defeated. Uh, the world's tough. Uh, yeah. Keep your friends close because that's who's going to help you out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like. Yeah. Give Caesar what Caesar wants, but don't try, you know, the government's not going to come bail you yeah. out. And and it's like this spiritual, if you're going to embrace the spiritual life, you're also going to get kicked in the teeth. Yeah, humility has to be your daily garment. And, and the victory that you're seeking after is not the same victory that the, that the Bible teaches. It's it's not the, the, the right. conclusion of the American dream. Right, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. You, so anyway. Well, and I think that's just that's just the co-oping of of capitalism right. into. I mean, it happens to any religion, right? Yeah, like it can it can happen across the board. So, but so with this um, this idea, because because on a certain level too, um, there is there is um, space to celebrate. Oh yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? Yeah. And 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 so, you know, I know you talked about sort of the hollowing out of the half-hearted uh what, what was the response for he is risen yeah he's risen indeed yeah, yeah the half-hearted yeah. he's risen indeed he's risen indeed versus the like you feel it in your bones and your soul yeah of the importance of uh okay some guy came back to life so what yeah you know, no bingo and, tonight <laughs> <laughs> and avoiding that right like avoiding downplaying the importance of it. Yeah. So it's, it's definitely a, a paradox and, a, you know, and a, a tension line that you have to, to cross. And so, so yeah, so make the music big time and wear the pastel colors and go for it. Make a big deal out of it. And that was the one to kind of go back to the, he is risen. Uh, he's risen indeed. Uh, that was the one thing or not the one thing, but, the first thing at the uh, when I went to the Orthodox vigil, when when you know got to midnight and they announced it, the response was like, in your there was no half-hearted right, reason, yeah, reason <laughs> it wasn't cheerleading, and, yeah, it yeah, wasn't yeah. cheerleading, yeah, it was like legit enthusiasm, like yeah. sincere legit enthusiasm, and and I guess for me that was really the first time. Because I'm, I'm like you, I was raised Catholic. And so to me, it was always like Christmas was the big mm. celebration. And Easter was important too. But experiencing what I did with the Orthodox Church, it's like, oh, no, they're both big celebrations. Yeah. And for different reasons. Right. You know, and, and sort of that... You know the miracle of the of the birth in in the dead of winter versus the the rebirth uh, heading into spring. Yeah, and and these sorts of things, and and so I guess maybe maybe that that sort of the timing, the uh, we talked about that a little bit last week, but maybe just the timing of of Jesus 
being uh, having the resurrection in the springtime and sort of the importance of of that. Yeah. You know, sort of in the the pagan sense of the of the celebration. It actually might be more Jewish centered okay. in that sense because it's the Passover. Okay, right. You know, the Passover time, which which signifies the uh, a nation of uh, desert dwellers enslaved mm-hmm. by the empire, right? And they have no chance of freedom or self uh, destiny of any sort. And then God intervenes. Uh, Sending the you know the prophet and the leader Moses right. to have the showdown that you see in Exodus uh, with the Pharaoh and with with the uh, and they show that every Sunday t- uh, or they used to anyway <laughs> the Ten Commandments right yeah 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 uh, good on old TV movie. at least in the seventies they did I don't know what they do now I, uh, I remember it in the nineties it'd be on, on the Ben Hur the Ten Commandments and the Wizard of Oz uh, and so so and then. And then the final night, they have the Passover meal. It's their last meal in Egypt. Um, they, they ate the meal standing up, ready to go with your shoes on, you know, and your, your best you know, jacket. Wrap, wrap it up, yeah. <laughs> they put the blood of the, uh, of the uh, Passover lamb on their, on their uh, doorposts. So when the spirit of death came through, their houses were, were spared. And then they rush out that morning. They get the get the flock out of Egypt <laughs> and and then they're up against the Red Sea and they pass over they they pass through that mm-hmm. uh, on dry land and then Pharaoh's armies Con- are destroyed and so that's kind of the significance that, that's the Christian co-opting if you I will see, right. of the Jewish story which which it becomes a universal story in in Christianity Um and so, so instead of Pharaoh, it's death itself, mm-hmm. and uh, and instead of uh, just the Jewish people, it's it's the human race, uh, you know, led all, by Christ. Yeah, all right, all are welcome. So that that's kind of the idea there, and um, yeah, and then probably later in springtime, there that, that's a controversial issue because uh, it's kind of a modern idea that uh, Christians. To uh, pagan kinds of things and co-opt them. Yeah, so to speak. it seems to be the other way around on that one. But, oh, interesting. But the jury's still out on right on, on all of that. It depends on you know, but but it does seem you know. I mean, spring is a universal. You know, it's a season of renewal right. and and uh, coming back, rebirth, to life and that man. kind of thing. And so, um, but there's lots of YouTube conspiratorial <laughs> uh, videos on. Uh, that wasn't really Jesus. It was Bacchus, and it was really you know the Egyptian yeah, god. It, it, I've seen. Yeah. It's interesting, but it's not. It doesn't seem to really stand up to scholarly right to actual stuff over the centuries. Uh, yeah, a lot. A lot of things have uh, coincidental connections. Yeah. throughout time. And not saying that there aren't some. I mean, the word Easter is probably more of a, if you were will, a pagan word right. in the sense that it's not Jewish. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, yeah, and and Christians in Europe continued their a lot of their pagan rites anyway. Aside, you know, on the side with Easter Sunday, uh, so it wasn't like it got co-opted in that sense. Uh, they just didn't quit the quit the old because yeah, the, they did the Earth is still waking up. You know, right. it's still the same. 
you still got to be fertile. <laughs> well, and I, and I think too, um, I mean, this might be a little bit of a stretch, but just in an agricultural society in general, yeah, exactly. you're going to be a lot more connected to the seasons yeah, of more. the year because you're, yeah. you're planting crops, you're harvesting crops throughout the year and, and things like that. And so paying, just noticing that kind of stuff in conjunction yeah. with your with your spiritual life or i, I mean I, did they even use that word spiritual life no <laughs> no it was part yeah. of their life yeah there was no dichotomy there right. so and so um so yeah just that, that was a little little something that was on my mind coming into this conversation um and so as as the uh as we sort of shift Maybe you could speak on uh, for a little bit sort of the the aftermath. Um, you touch on it a bit, but just a little bit more in depth of, you know, Jesus not being recognized, uh, you know, the, the interaction with Thomas and, and sort of the the post, yeah. uh, the posties. So, you know, some people are going to be listening to this the week of Holy Week going into Easter and sort of, yeah. okay, so Sunday comes, it's Easter time, and then, you know, then what? Yeah, so it becomes a, liturgically, is that what you mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah so it becomes a six to eight week uh, season, you know, where right. you meditate on these post-resurrection appearances where you, uh, you know, and it's not just a, a nice ending to a tragic story. Right. <laughs> Which it feels like a lot of people treat it that yeah, way. Yeah, because, yeah, if you can reduce it to that, if you approach it in a reductionist sort of way, uh, the the deeper significance is, the theology behind it is that, that an eschatological, a universal event took place on that mm-hmm. day. And that is specifically a new creation began to, become, uh, began to emerge uh, in the cosmos. Uh, and so... So there's a renewal. There's a there's a uh, um, a new creation that is actually uh, has be, was inaugurated, if you will, on okay. that day, and is present now through the eyes of faith. And so, and so that's that's kind of the significance of it. And so, how do I? So then it becomes a question: How do I see it? How can I see it? This new creation breaking in mm-hmm. everywhere, the even, presence of God burning on all creation now. Even though you're literally 2,000 years removed from the original right. event, but kind of what we were talking about earlier, there's there's no beginning and end time frame when we're talking right. about yeah. this stuff. So how do you bring it into your date, yeah. your life this today? This eternal, ever-present realities. Okay. You know, it's, it's like uh, the book of Revelation you know, I think we mentioned it. He, uh, the revelator saw the Lamb of God slain, yeah. standing. So, so that's the it's the the spiritual, ever present significance of the cross and the resurrection as a present reality now uh, that could change lives, can change the the course of humanity. And so, so yeah. So the question would be, how can I see it and be eyes of faith and and uh, empowerment of the Holy Spirit? Those kinds of things, uh, and then how do I participate with it? How do I? How do I? You know, join in on this this good deal. You know, and how do I? How do I have a willing heart, a willingness to to uh, I guess participate with the kingdom of God or the will of God or however you want to call it. And how do you find yourself uh, 
putting you on the spot a little bit, but how do you find yourself today uh, doing what you just talked about, you know? Yeah, I think that's why practices of contemplation and prayer are so important. Right. Because they kind of wake you up to it because we fall uh, asleep so easily. Yeah. Uh, because, and, and we get caught up in the illusions of our lives, you know, the, like we, we've talked about, uh, you know, security, illusions of security and, uh, uh, you know, uh, wealth, wealth right. management, power. wealth possession, that, yeah, yeah power. Uh, so contemplative practices can help you see through those things and, and see uh, the small, you know, and, and again, I believe it's in the small things that's mm-hmm. happening in, in very small acts of kindness yeah, that go a long way. Yeah. And so <clears throat> I, I've been reading a, a Richard Rohr book and, and one of the things he talks about is this idea of giving it away. So when you have spiritual, a spiritual life or uh, some kind yeah. of uh, spirit, you know, whether it's encountering the, the kingdom of heaven or, um, you know, understanding the this resurrection of Christ. He talks about the only way you can keep that, and, and this isn't exclusive to Richard Rohr. He's, many people have said this, but I'm just reading his book right now. The only way to keep that is to give it away. Yeah. Which is counterintuitive because going back to like the monetary, if I have $1,000 and I walk around downtown El Paso and just start giving out yeah. $10 bills, eventually I'm going to give that or I'm going to run out right. of dollar bills, right? $10 bills. Yeah. But it seems to be, at least in my, my short time on this spiritual path, that it's actually the opposite in these spiritual contemplative practices that we're exploring. Yeah. I don't, I don't know what your experience with that. Yeah, no, it's exactly that. It's, I mean, Jesus uses that metaphor of the spirit, the indwelling spirit being rivers being poured out of you. Mm. And so, you know, it's, it goes back to the old, uh, I think it was uh, one of the Greek, early ancient Greek philosophers. You can't step in the same uh, river twice. Oh, right. You know, that kind of thing. And so it's a constant renewal. It's a constant movement constant fluidity and and people just know uh, let, let me you know let me bring it back down to earth if we're being our our authentic selves which is the uh, another word for that would be uh, the risen Christ within you mm-hmm. the indwelling Christ right if you, we we when we meet people that are authentic people uh, people that have a degree of just basic peace in themselves and compassion for others we just know that they, they are that, right? right? I mean, we, yeah. it's the real deal. You know that person's the real deal. Well, and the other uh, side of this spectrum as well. Yeah, when yeah. you meet someone that's very fake and yeah, closed they, off. They're and, just living out of their image, their counterfeit yeah. self, which we've all done. Yeah. And then, you, yeah, you, you just kind of know it. People, everybody has an intuition of these things, most of the time, you know, there's yeah, breakdowns there's, of there's, that. Well, yeah, there's there's a con artist all the time. Yeah, and, you know, so there, so so yeah, so that's what I'm talking about. Is a a real compassion will flow out of you that you that su- will surprise you, you know, and it and it's a matter of presenting a willingness to see. I think that's where it just begins. I want to see the new yeah. creation. So start with making that intention, that prayer. 
I want to see the new creation breaking in. Uh, and and I, I think once you see it, once you start getting these glimpses, you won't, you can't unsee them. Right. Anymore. Well, yeah, you can't. You can ignore them. You can try to ignore them. Yeah, I, I think so. It's, it's not. I, I, th- I think if you get, yeah, if you get caught up enough again in the, the, the illusions of life, mm-hmm. I guess you could. But some of them will stick to you and you won't be yeah, able to ignore too. them. And, yeah, and you're too. just overwhelmed by beauty and, and, and kindness and love. And it becomes a, a burning ring of fire around you. And, and I think, too, to be open-minded, to couple that with the willingness. Yeah. Because God's going to present God's self to you in ways you're not expecting. Right. If you're lo- You know what I mean? Like if you're looking for a specific yeah miracle let's say yeah um well that's on your terms but if you're just keeping an open mind of what yeah what i'm miracle still in control god, of that yeah what god could present to you as you pray for that willingness yeah. to to see it uh that i in my experience that's when the beauty yeah. really can take can take over yeah and and also for me personally it's it's also about um the challenge for me personally is if this is true, if the resurrection uh, inaugurated a new creation that's breaking in now, that's present now, right. uh, and will be, uh, you know, will be culminated at some point in the future. And, I, and if it's true that I can experience it now, then the challenge for me personally has been then, then I have to be able to see it breaking in in the absolute shitholes of humanity, mm. the, the darkest places. And so... But I can't see it breaking into those dark places unless I go to those dark yeah. places and see it. And so, and I've done that enough times now. Uh, prisons, mm-hmm. uh, ice units, and uh, and it was a life changing experience. There's yeah. like more light there than there was yeah. in my prayer closet. You know, uh, praying with an asylum seeker between plexiglass, and they put their yeah, we put our put palms up against the hands. We both cry yeah. at our powerlessness to do anything. That is the new creation breaking in 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 an absolute dark place. And it changed my life, you know, Mm. more so than the asylum seeker that I was visiting. Uh, He changed my life. He was the Christ who was in prison. Right. Well, the beautiful thing, well, I don't even know if if beautiful is the right word, but the real life aspect of that, too, is uh, some of those people that you pray with are now out. They got asylum. That's true. Yeah, yeah, that's true. They're out living their life and and having a good life. Uh, And some of those people that were prayed with are back in their country, their home countries, which are extremely dangerous. Yeah, very dangerous. You know, and so that that uh, that real world emotion, because because sometimes I I think the spiritual life is approached with this like, oh, you got to be level headed and zen and all this kind of stuff, which might be true. But there's aspects. Yeah. There's also this real world feeling of uh, joy and sadness that for me, when I'm in those uh, extreme places uh, of joy and sadness, uh, like you're talking about that God's breaking through. Yeah. God's softening my heart. You know, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm just for example, I I didn't actually do this, but I'm yelling, he's risen indeed with all the joy in the world. And, you know, and then, you know, and then 
I can, you know, be, be just not being able to say anything at all with tears running yeah. down my face because of the sadness of, uh, of circumstances. And not that I let those circumstances control me, right? That's not the point, right. but, but embracing them with the honesty of what they are. Yeah. So then it's not, yeah. So then you're not celebrating an ideology. Our ideology has beaten all the other ideologies. Right, yeah, he has risen indeed. That's that's smartest. what I meant by. But no, you're taking the exuberance and the. You know, there are there are kids, Syrian kids, right now, in refugee camps, and they've seen horrific yeah. things, and they're playing soccer, in fencing that's barbed wire, yet they still play soccer yeah. and they still laugh. That's the the kingdom of God, the powerful way. And I'm not saying, therefore, don't do anything to help them. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah, They're right. fine. That's yeah. not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, how did that happen? In this dark place, there's still light. There's still, as the the uh, um, Iona Creed that we mm-hmm. embrace, the, I still believe in the sun that rises over barbed wire. Yeah. So there's still a lot of work to be done. And there will always be work yeah. to be done. You're, Anytime you're you you think you're close to utopia, yeah, you're probably the farthest away you can possibly be from utopia. Exactly. So, well, we got another one, another uh, barn burner in the, in the <laughs> on the shelf for uh, to to release in a few weeks. Uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. Again, thank this you all. Is, uh, David Morrison, uh, Dorian Mason for Desert Rain Community Radio. Uh, if you want to check out um, some writings and musings of, of Mr. Yeah. Morrison, you can go to theruin.com, uh, DRCR Pod. You can um, find other episodes of this uh, podcast. And uh, do you have any parting words for us, Mr. Much Morrison? Much love, everyone. All right. Have a good night. <laughs>